Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. We've established that over these last few weeks that there are four principles that we're looking at uh, that, that God has established in His will. They are crucially important to keep at the forefront of our mind when we talk about His will. And the first one is the importance of our participation in God's will. So from the beginning, when He created everything, He initiated it all and then invited us to be a part of it. And He still chooses to do that. His desire is for us to partner with Him for His will to be done in the earth. If He didn't desire for us to do that, then the church would not be important. We wouldn't need each other. He could just come down, say, Hey guys, I'm Jesus. I died for you. Get saved. The world would be saved. But he decided not to do that. He decided that he would demonstrate his love, his affection for the world through us. And so he desires for us to participate and partner with him. So we are representatives of Christ. And our yes to him releases his will and sets things into motion. And in fact, this church... This church is here because someone said yes to Jesus and followed His will and His will got established and planted a church here in this neighborhood. If someone did not say yes to God, this church would not be here. And the very same thing is, is true in your life. You would not be here if someone did not say yes to Jesus and invite you into the, into the kingdom of God. Would you agree? It's because of our participation with God that we get to be a part of what He's doing. And our yes is crucial to release His kingdom, not only in this neighborhood and in this community, but also in our state and around the world. Your yes can change the world. The next uh, next principle that we need to remember is that the sovereignty of God's will is over our will and over all of creation. Why is that important? Because I'm telling you that His will is more important than your will. This is not a shocker, but... But we wrestle with this day in and day out because we want to do our own thing, right? Our sin nature wrestles against the Spirit of God, but His will is higher and better than any dream or any aspiration that you could ever have in life. So when I tell you His will is greater than your will, I know that you're like, yeah, I understand that. But submitting to that, recognizing that His, His will is sovereign, higher, greater, bigger than anything that we could ever think of, or imagine. And God calls us out of our comfort zone to follow Him in His will. He established that with Abraham when He called Abraham out of a foreign country to a land he did not know. But yet God was saying, there is something greater for you. And I will make you a blessing to bless others. I will make you a father of nations. But you have to leave this place, this comfort zone. And you need to go with me where, where God was taking him. Jesus established the very same thing with his disciples when he went up to Peter and Andrew and he said, they were out fishing and they were fishing with nets and he said, follow me. And they, the Bible says they dropped their nets and followed him. Those nets were their livelihood. Those nets was how they earned a living and took care of their families and, and made a life for themselves. And yet they released their security, their safety net, as it were, and followed Jesus. And Jesus is calling us the very same thing. He's calling us to do that as well. See, our church has a a purpose in God's will for our city. 
for Madeira, for our region, for our state and our nation. As long as we're here, we're not too far gone. Amen? I was at a conference this last weekend, and a speaker came in from Colorado, and he's like, I hear a lot of bad things about California. Like, you have no churches. No one wants to know Jesus. Uh, you, you, know, you, you legalize everything, and, um, and there's no hope for you. He said, this is, what other, this is what other states are talking about us. But it's not true, is it? Because as long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God will continue to receive praise in this state. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And in our city. So even though our church, we're in a new chapter, the call of God remains the same, to impact a community for Jesus. It's what he's calling us to do. The third principle that we've established is that our role as believers is to be stewards over the areas that God has given to us. That word steward is manager. We're called to manage what God has given to us. And we learned about this in the parable of the shrewd manager, or the shrewd steward, last week when we talked about how he leveraged his resources to secure for himself a better eternity. And we are called to do that as well. Stewardship is not just about self-enrichment. Stewardship is about using what you have the resources, your talents, your giftings, your treasure, to establish for yourself and for others an eternity with Jesus. So we're called to be wise, to be prudent. The word shrewd is to be prudent or to be aware of our interests. And our heart is to be set on the interests of God. And what is the interest of God? To see the lost saved. So we need to be mindful of that and use whatever means necessary to see people come in. So that's relationships, authority that we have, any type of leverage that we can use to steward wisely what God has put into our lives. We're called to be wise. And as a church, we're called to steward ourselves, giving of ourselves, our time, our talent, and our treasure to make sure that the impact that God wants in our community happens in our community. We have to invest ourselves so that people can know Jesus. And last... The fourth principle that we establish is that we have been blessed to be a blessing. We receive blessing for the sake of blessing others. Not so that we can gain more, so that we can stockpile more, so that we can make our lives more comfortable. That's not it at all. We've been blessed to give it away so that, with wisdom, people can come into the house of God. We are blessed to be a blessing. For some reason, we, we've thought that the American dream has been molded into what God has called us to, and now we've made Christianity about being comfortable. And it's not about being comfortable. It's about seeking Jesus and being willing to be reckless with the way we love people so that they can come into the house. So when people, when the lost turn and give their heart to Jesus, we know that we've used our blessing wisely. We've invested it wisely. And this is what it means to know God's will. And my hope is that this church has blessed you. Would you say yes? Hosanna is a blessing to you. Yes. Amen. And I, I believe that as you're in this church, that you're blessing other people, and that we corporately will be a blessing to our community. That we would never be a burden to this community. That we would always be a blessing to this community. Because God has called us to be a blessing. 
So with that in mind, I want, to ask, I want us to answer this question together this morning. What is God calling our church to do? What is he calling our church to do? Where is God working that we can partner with him? Because that's our heart's desire this morning. Because we're looking at what God's will is for the church. What God are you saying to us? What are you calling us to do? So our, our main text this morning is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you can turn there in your Bible starting on verse 4. You can look at the big Bible in the sky. You can read along there as well. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Jesus, that it cuts to our heart. I pray, God, that you would anoint this word, that you would speak powerfully through me, God. Let them be your words and not my words. Words that bring hope, courage, and conviction as we seek your face. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Starting in verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. One person, the Spirit, gives the ability to give wise advice. The other, another the same, of the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Are you grateful that the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts? Amen. He gives us what we know or He knows we need. So we're looking, and through this series we've been asking these questions. What is God's role in His will? What is our role corporately in His will? And what is our role individually and so for the first one, we're looking at what's God's role. And this passage of Scripture helps us know what God's will is in establishing His will for the church, what His role is. And the first is to empower, guide, and teach. God is the one who empowers us, He guides us, and He teaches us. God is our source, and He does all the work for us. He is the one who is establishing His will in the earth and then calls us to partner with Him. And at Hosanna, we can accomplish anything that God purposes for our church because He is the one who establishes it. Does that make sense? If God puts a dream in our heart as a church body, then we know all we have to do is say yes to it for it to become accomplished. Because He's the one who empowers, guides, and teaches us His will. He's the one always working for us. So, can you think of any dream that would be too big for us to do as a church? Can you think of anything that you think, oh, that's too far-fetched, we would never be able to achieve that? Well, if you're able to dream it, and it's from the Lord, then it's going to happen Amen. with your yes. Your yes is going to establish God's will and His kingdom in this place. There is no dream, there is no purpose that God has established in the church that is too big for the church to handle. Because God is the one who is setting it all into motion. Right, 
And if you want to know what God is putting in your heart, all you need to do is stop and listen. Because He's always speaking to you. He's always putting vision in, and a passion inside of your heart. And those things that you're passionate about would be the very things that God will use to establish His will in your life. Being mindful of that, you just have to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to do through me? What is the Lord speaking to us as a church? What is He saying to us so that we know that He's establishing His will in that area? The Holy Spirit is given to us to fulfill God's will in the earth. We know that by looking at Acts 1.8, if you'll read that with me. Jesus speaking after his, the resurrection and He's telling His disciples in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do the work of God the Father. And, and Jerusalem, that was the epicenter. That was where the church had gathered. That's where the disciples were hanging out. And so for us, that would be Madeira. So God is saying to us, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to tell everybody about me everywhere. In Madeira, in Fresno County, maybe even Sacramento, and to the ends of the earth. There's no translation for that one because that one stays the same. We have the ability to carry God's name everywhere we go because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. So when God calls us to something, He equips us to do it as well. He never puts something inside of you and then doesn't give you the ability to do it. That would be cruel. To have a purpose and a passion and never be able to fulfill it. But I'm telling you, what God has put in your heart to do, God has established and equipped you to do it. Because He's wanting to see His will established in your life. God gives each of us, individually and corporately, certain giftings to complete certain tasks. So what is God calling our church, what is God calling Hosanna to do? I believe He's calling us to impact a community. To see a community turn and what, would people, what people would call a bad neighborhood, they would call a blessed neighborhood. You've heard me say that before. That we would be a church, a light in darkness. That we would see people who were once dealing drugs are now dealing Jesus. Amen. Come on. Maybe that was cheesy, but I'm saying there's some... Okay, it was really cheesy, but I'm saying that people's lives can be changed and transformed. Do you believe that? So what is God doing right now? So right now, as a church, what do we have that is helping establish God's will? Well, we have Sunday services. This is a big opportunity for us to invite others to know God, to know Jesus. We have Wednesday nights where we gather and love on each other, eat too much food, and, and we can see people know Jesus. We have men's ministries and women's ministries. We have ministries for kids and youth that are learning about Jesus and affecting our community. But what other things are God, is God calling us to? When we met as a, a leadership team, we met with all the leadership department heads. There was 15 of us. And we began to talk about what are some of the things that God is going to do here in the next six months. What, what can we be anticipating that God is willing to do? And what we really felt that God was saying is that we need to be in our community. We need to be reaching out to our community. We need to be doing events in our community. We began to put a passion inside of our heart that we would, what they call adopt a block. We would go out and just love on our neighbors, clean up trash, mow lawns, 
make ourselves available for people to interact with us. Because people will never see Jesus if they never see us. So we need to be in our community. One thing that we began to pray about was the elementary school that we, literally when you walk out the church, you turn right, you can see the school, James Monroe Elementary. There is no greater opportunity to affect and affect our community than, than knowing our, our teachers and knowing our students. They know the community way better than we do. So what can we do to connect with them, to love on them, to show them that we care and our heart is for them? I believe that God is establishing that in our church so that he can use us for His glory, so that we can see a community transformed from a bad neighborhood to a blessed neighborhood. God is wanting to do that in us. And the fact is that God has already given us everything that we need to carry out His will. We lack nothing, except maybe for the knowledge of knowing that we have everything. You know what I mean? And sometimes you feel like... uh, well, I, if I had enough faith, I would do it. But Jesus said something very controversial when he, when he was talking about faith. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, right. you can say to this mountain, be moved and tossed into the sea, and it will happen. Yes. I know some people have read that and say, man, I've got really little faith. It's even smaller than a mustard seed. No, you're missing the point. Jesus is saying it's not about how much faith you have. It's about how much doing you have. Are you willing to speak to situations? Are you willing to stand up and go? Are you willing to be the first one into the neighborhood? Are you willing to be the first one to reach out to the principal or the elementary school teacher? Are you willing just to say, I believe that God is doing something? My faith may be very small, the size of a mustard seed, but maybe God will move this mountain if I just speak and go. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about how much willingness you have to go and do, knowing that God is with you, that Jesus is establishing His will in your life. Let's continue reading in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it was only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. What does that mean? That you are a part of the body of Christ, and you've been gifted and established specifically to be in this house this morning. Because your gift is vital to what God is wanting to do here. You have something to contribute. You can't say, well, I'm not important because I'm not so-and-so. I'm not important because I'm not leading worship. I'm not important because I'm not speaking. No, you're vitally important. And the gifts that you have, no one else has. You've You've been made so specifically 
that only you can do what you can do. And God has called us to be together. And when we are together as one body, then his will can be established in us. So what is our role corporately? This is what I believe the Holy Spirit is establishing as a mission statement for our church. What is going to be our vision moving forward? I believe this is our role. To be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to cultivate inclusive community with sacrificial love, radical generosity, and servant leadership to reveal the hope and love of Jesus. That's what I believe we are called to do as a church. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to cultivate inclusive community. What does that mean? That's a lot of weird words that no one usually says in a regular sentence. You know, well, I'm, out, I'm just out here, uh, you know, cultivating inclusive community. Oh, cool, just another Tuesday. You know, we don't usually use language like that. But what that means is, is that we are going to be a people that says it's not about our preference so much as it is about His presence. We don't care what people look like when they're coming in here. We don't, look like what they, we don't care what they sound like or what, how they're living. We want to say, you can be a part of us. You can be a part of what God is doing in this house. Amen. That's a part of being inclusive. And the term cultivate goes back to week one where God says, I want you to cultivate, tend the ground, and bring life where there is no life. To be inclusive community means that there's going to be some hard pan that we need to break up. There's going to be some things that rub us the wrong way. But that's okay because it's not about us, is it? It's about His will. So we are going to be dedicated to be a, a people that says, I'm willing to break up hard things in life, even in my own heart, that maybe I have some things against people, but that's not going to stop me from being in an inclusive community. You can be a part of us. I might have prejudices. I might have things in my life that I'm no, I don't know how to deal with. But I'm willing to break those things up to say, come be a part. I want you to be a part. You're valuable. You're important. I want you to be included in what God is doing. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Because if we believe that we belong to each other and our gifts are for each other, then if we exclude people based on how they're living now, we miss out on the gift that God has put in their life later. So we want to be an inclusive community. Come, let's love each other. Because we believe that Jesus is the one who changes hearts, not us. The Holy Spirit is the one who woos people and transforms us from the inside out, not the outside in. So we have to do some work inside of us, cultivating even in our own hearts, breaking up hard ground for, for Jesus to establish His will. That's what it means. And we do that through sacrificial love. We cultivate community through sacrificial love. And that is done by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by nature, brings unity and harmony to the body, to the body of Christ so that we can function like we should. You know, we can't, we can't unite together if we don't love each other. It's really hard to do that, isn't it? Like, hey, I want to be by your side, but I don't, I don't really like you. That doesn't work. You ever work with somebody you don't like? You're like, oh, you stay on that side of the building, I'll stay on this side of the building, right? But when you love each other, you work in harmony together. Man, it's like a well-oiled machine. You're just going for it. It's like my dad and I when we work together because we love each other. Well-oiled machine. You see what I did there? You know, he doesn't have to ask me. I just go do stuff, mainly because he's the boss. But I just keep going, you know, because we love each other. We just work. But we do it through sacrificial love. This very concept of the Holy Spirit is establ establishes love. You know, some theologians believe that the, tr the triune Godhead is represented uh, to us by the unity the Holy Spirit brings 
in love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's love is what binds them together. There's some theologians that write about that. So the Holy Spirit, when He's amongst us, His love binds us together, unites us. So sacrificial love is love that goes beyond our limits. It goes beyond our sensibilities. Love, the way that God loves, is reckless in the pursuit of us. So to, to love sacrificially is to be reckless in the way that we even love each other. Promoting each other, encouraging one another, giving to one another. Being, being generous with one another because we belong to each other. So the, holy, the, the harmony of the Spirit allows us to care for one another. So if one suffers, as Paul writes, we all suffer. But if one is honored, we are all honored because we belong to each other. And that way, we can, like we did with Joe and Carmen, we can celebrate what God is doing in their life without any, any turf war or saying, oh, uh, is some of the people going to leave here and go there? Or are they going to have people go? Like, what is that about? We belong to each other. Yes, so their success is our success. And our success is their success. Because people are being saved and coming into the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? That means we pray for other churches that they will succeed in our community. Because our heart is for our community. We want to see people come to Jesus. There isn't us against them. There is us. Because we belong to each other. That means we promote each other. We, we care for each other. We protect each other. We honor one another. When someone needs help, we jump in to help them. We're willing to serve. It's not about us. It's not about patting ourselves on the back. It's about what God is doing. This is team thinking. Not only in our church, but in, in the church in the big spectrum. The global church, what God is doing so we're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for YCC and Pastor Tim McGraw that God would bless them and God would bring a harvest into their doors. We're going to pray for the well, the well Madeira with our friends there, that God would bless them and see people come into the kingdom of God because we love them and that's part of loving each other sacrificially. That's a, even a part of radical generosity. We are called to radically give ourselves to each other, encouraging one another, loving each other, being generous with each other, with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we are called to lead by serving one another. Like the scripture says, we are one body but many parts. Some parts seem less honorable, Paul writes, but they deserve more honor. You know, I think it's typically we honor those people that are serving in positions that are visible, right? We, we honor the worship leader and the worship team. Like, oh man, that's what it means to serve in ministry. We honor the pastor, the person who's speaking. Oh, that, that person is really serving the Lord. But we don't honor the people that are cleaning the, the trash out and cleaning the toilets and vacuuming. We think that's a, a lesser position for some reason. But it's all ministry. So we want to honor those who are willing to serve and not even be seen. Amen? That's a, that's a greater honor. When you do things and you serve and no one even knows about it, God says you're storing up treasures in heaven. That's a bigger honor. How do we honor those 
who are doing things that no one else sees, who are handling the dirty work that no one else wants to do. And how are we honoring those in our society that would be considered less honorable? The way we do that, the way we cultivate community is by servant leadership, by serving one another. Jesus established this for us when he washed his disciples' feet. That was the lowliest job of the lowliest servant in the house. When guests came in, they wore, they wore open you know, sandals, and so their feet always got dirty because they walked everywhere. And their feet were nasty, they were crusty, they probably had bunions, so on. You know, ingrown toenails, all the worst of the worst with feet, you know. And they would have to wash the feet. And you know Peter's feet were nastier than nasty, you know what I mean? He was a fisherman, you know he didn't take care of himself. And so Jesus said, <laughs> if there's any fishermen in here, I apologize. But Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to show you that I came to serve and not be served. And he established the greatest community the world has ever known by his servants, by his service leadership. He served, and so we should serve as well. We establish these things by serving one another. Last, number three, what is my role? What's my role individually? We talk about corporately, what our role is. We talk about what God's role is, is empowering us, strengthening us, teaching and guiding us. We talk about we are working in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What is our role individually? If you're following along the YouVersion Bible app, you can have these points here. The last one is to embrace my identity, discover my purpose, and become a minister. Embrace your identity. Who did God make you to be? How did God make you to be? Do you know that he, he specially crafted you specifically to do what only you can do? But if you don't know what those things are, how will you ever dis, uh, discern what, what your purpose is in life? How will you discover what God is calling you to do if you don't even know how God has made you? And to know how God has made you, you have to know your God. You have to know Him. You have to walk in relationship with Him because the more you walk in relationship with Jesus, the more He reveals your sonship and your daughtership in the kingdom of God. He teaches us more how to live in full life through Him than we could ever know without Him. See, sin tarnished us it didn't define us. A lot of times we walk around thinking that we are our sin, but we are not our sin. Sin is something that has attached itself to us and is trying to choke us out. God has said, come to me and I'll free you from that and you'll know who you really are. And we need to know who we are in Jesus by embracing Jesus and saying, I want to know who you made me to be. So we have to embrace our identity in Christ. And then discover our purpose. What has God put in us that, is, that we're passionate about? That God is working in us? Some of us have natural gifting and talents that, that only we have. And God is wanting to reveal those things to us. And then become a minister. I'm not saying you have to get ordained and, and become a, a full-time pastor, but you need to minister those gifts to the body of believers. Use those talents to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. To build each other up. You know, what God has called our church to do, 
all the things that we need already are already in this room. We are not lacking anything. The things that God has put before us with His purpose and passion in us already sits in this room. We lack nothing. So we just need to take hold of it and begin to do it. We need to embrace what God has specifically designed us to do and then do it. See, our gifts are not our own. They don't belong to us. They belong to others. And as you continue to follow Jesus, He will make you less selfish and more otherish. He'll make you about others. Not self-oriented, but others-oriented. Because that's the heart of Jesus. Jesus is not even about Himself. He came and died for us. And He demonstrated to us, I am calling you home, so that when you become a disciple of mine, you will call others home. And I will shift your heart, your focus, to be others-focused. To build each other up, to encourage each other. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, he says, Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Paul writes in here, he says, Yeah, there are some gifts that are very beneficial for you. There are times that, you know, he talks about having a prayer language that is very beneficial for you, that edifies you and encourages you and strengthens you. But he says it's not about just you. So seek the gifts that are encouraging everybody, that will build everybody up, that will strengthen everybody. He says here in verse 26 of the same chapter, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, that's Pastor Tracy, another will teach, that's me, another will tell, tell some special revelation God has given. I don't know who that is yet. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. And that will happen. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. It's not a show that we do. It's not about us and the special gifts that God has given us to edify ourselves. Those things are good, but when we come together, it's about edifying each other, strengthening each other. Your service to the body is for the betterment of all, not just yourself. So we do it with our whole hearts, knowing that the Holy Spirit has equipped us and placed us here strategically for the betterment of all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Because the gift that God has put inside of you is going to help me. Can I say that again? The gift that God has put inside of you is going to help me. And hopefully the gift that God has put inside of me is going to help you. Because we belong to each other. See, the way we have this even set up, you know, with everybody facing me and I'm just looking at you, can be deceiving sometimes. We are here to minister to each other. To love on each other. To bear each other's burdens. When things get too heavy for us, we have each other to lean on. To trust in. To put, our, to put our, our, our weight on so that we can carry things together. We have been placed here strategically. We have been called a blessing to be a blessing. We have been blessed 
to bless others. Amen? Amen. So as a way of conclusion, I want us to take an action step. There was a study done by a professor at the University of Michigan. He wrote an article that says, Awareness is Overrated. And in that article he wrote that we've known for over 50 years now that giving people information alone does not change their behavior. There has to be action taken. I can tell you everything that God is desiring to do in our church, but until you take action, it won't happen. Until you decide, yes, I'm going to make that step, is when transformation happens. It's when it takes place. Just knowing is not enough. See, in our society, we are so rational that we think it's all about head knowledge. But it's not about head knowledge alone. It's about heart knowledge of knowing what God has established in our heart. That's what drives us to do what we do.